Welcome to Radar, a podcast featuring exclusive interviews with artists of today. This program can be heard at thevinyldistrict.com or anywhere fine podcasts are found. Here is your host, Evan Toth. Some people refuse to look back, not wanting to see what's happened in their past, not wanting to question their decisions or reopen old wounds. Most of the time, this is good advice. The past is, after all, a cashed check. However, every once in a while, we allow ourselves to wallow in a bit of nostalgia, to crack open the old high school yearbook and pass through the faces and memories of many years ago. Well, what if you wrote an album about that? That's what Eric Hutchinson has done and what we're here to talk about on today's episode of Radar. Hutchinson is a talented, platinum-selling singer and songwriter who earned a gold record for his song Rock and Roll, which was a number one hit in several countries. On his sixth full-length album, Hutchinson hops into the DeLorean and sets the destination coordinates back to 1998, where he imagines the kind of record he would have recorded with his adolescent years in hindsight. Sonically and thematically, Hutchinson pulls off the illusion. Here, he and I talk about his unique idea for this album and the process that he went through writing and recording it. So have a listen to our chat and then make sure to check out his latest album. It's called Class of 98. Hey, uh, listen, I graduated in 96. So, uh, you know, I, I was only two years older than you in high school, but we could have still been pals. You could have still been a sophomore pal of mine. Definitely. You would have been the cool upperclassman. <laughs> right, right. Um, tell us about this. Uh, the, the new album's great. It sounds really cool. I've really been enjoying it. And what was the genesis for the this, this concept album of uh, the class of 1998? I mean, the genesis was just I love 90s stuff, all 90s things, movies, TV, music. And I remember specifically I was on tour with my band and I was listening to some 90s songs and I was just like, how fun would it be to just like write songs like this and, you know, just kind of live in that world a little bit musically. And so I decided to try writing some songs. You know, I really like studied a lot of the music that I grew up listening to and loving, like Weezer and Green Day and the Lemonheads and and sort of 90s alternative stuff. This album came together more naturally than anything I've ever really done because... I think the type of songwriting was really in my DNA. I learned how to play the guitar in the 90s in high school. So, you know, I was learning Bush and Nirvana and Soundgarden and stuff like that on my on my guitar. So this was just a really fun project to kind of go back in time, set the record straight a little bit. And um, I worked really hard to try to make it sound like the 90s. Well, uh, that leads me into my next question. The album definitely has some sonic qualities that you know would remind one of the 90s and how did you go about kind of finding that 1990s sonic signature yeah i spent a lot of time talking with my my engineer and and uh, we also hired a, a mixer named paul coldery who had worked on a bunch of 90s stuff radiohead and um hole and a bunch of bands from the 90s so he had a lot of great stories about the techniques that they would use back then and I mean, the biggest thing, not to get too, you know, geek heavy or anything, but the 90s, they were still not using Pro Tools yet. So everything is still loose and um, live. And and I think that's part of the appeal of, of 90s alternative and grunge and stuff like that to me and to a lot of earlier music as well. So we tried really hard not to manipulate the music too much and, um, you know, just tried to match the tones as much as possible. And it's funny because... 
now I'll get comments on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and they're like, this sounds just like Weezer. And, and I have to be like, that's the point. Right. I'm not like trying to rip them off. It was, it's a, it's a loving homage. <laughs> right, right. It's like if you did a Bossa Nova album and everybody was like, this sounds like a Jobim. What are yeah, you doing? Right, exactly. Well, yeah, it's a Bossa Nova album. It's a, it's a concept album. Were you yeah. in, um, were you in rock and roll bands uh, when you were in high school like this? Did you do, you know, grungy type things? I mean, I know I did. I had the whole, uh, you know, I had my collection of flannel shirts and all kinds of crazy boots and stuff uh, back then. But, but were you, <laughs> were you in that world? Were you doing that stuff back then? I was in one or two bands. Honestly, I was doing a lot of it solo and it kind of set the tempo for what I did the rest of my life musically but you know I was find it was hard to to get into bands and and now that I'm older I understand that it was hard to find good drummers mm. I really think a bad drummer really messes a band up quickly so I was in a few things but you know mainly I was doing the same thing I'm doing now which was sitting at home with my acoustic guitar writing songs by myself and making recordings and things like that so I think I've always kind of been a a solo act and you talked about some of your influences Weezer and Green Day and the Lemonheads and Bush and stuff and was there a song that you remember or a song or two that you really remember in high school leaning on you know especially back in those days before we had the internet and before we had our uh, devices in our pockets with every song in the whole world we had you know our, our, our cassette players or Walkmans or whatever we were playing in our cars and we leaned on certain tunes or certain mixtapes or, or something like that do, do you have a few albums or songs that you might want to throw out there oh yeah a ton i mean an album i listened to a lot when i was making this record was the blue album by weezer so you know it was songs like the sweater song and buddy holly and and uh say it ain't so you know so something like that and and um i also just remember so clearly hearing glycerine by bush and just feeling like this is the most important piece of music i've ever heard and, right but then, even back then, I was like, I don't understand what glycerine is. It's not a word. You know, now that I'm a little older, I'm like, maybe a little bit of lazy lyricism or uh, something. And then the other one that really did it for me was Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun. That song, I was listening to a lot of hip hop and rap, and that song really pulled me back into the rock world for a while. And I still just think Chris Cornell was just such an amazing amazing singer yeah he he sure was and glycerine is a funny uh song to bring up i can't believe that there was a time when that song was all over the radio at least here in new jersey i remember you know you'd turn it on and that <laughs> oh yeah definitely that was a, it was a bona fide hit yeah for sure and it was a power ballad it had cellos on it and stuff and like you know it was i remember specifically walking home in the rain from school and listening to it on my gigantic headphones and, and feeling very artistic that's a, that's a very 90s memory for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you're revisiting the sonic uh, the sonic musical side of the late 90s, but what was what was high school like for you back then? Did you uh, you know what was what was the experience over there at Montgomery Blair High School? <laughs> I love that you did the research. Sure. Um, I uh, did not like high school very much and and I'm finding as I talk about this album that there's sort of two camps, you know, there's people that loved high school and hated high school. And um, I find that people who loved high school tend to love most things and are just kind of happy people and just seem to find their way in life. That was not for me though. I just had a hard time fitting in. I had a really large school and I felt pretty lost there. And, you know, I was trying to be creative and my friends were starting to get into drinking and I wasn't really that interested in that. 
And uh, there's a song about that on the album called Drunk at Lunch, which is sort of about skipping school to go drink and not being very impressed with it all. I don't know. I mean, high school to me was definitely finding myself, you know, and, and uh, I, I like high school and I like the 90s a lot more when I can remember them instead of live through them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I understand. Did you enjoy high school? You know, um, sometimes I'm uh, half and half. Some I have a lot of memories that I really loved, and I have a lot of memories that were um, uh, not so great. But sometimes I think that I projected some other things that were going on in my personal life onto high school. Like, it really wasn't, for me, I, all these years later, sometimes I feel like it wasn't really the high school's fault. Uh, some of it was me, too, and where I was and what I was doing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I don't hold it against my school or anything. I mean, I just think it was not a great time for me and not a great fit for me. And I was going through a bunch and I mean, I guess it's high school for everybody. So, I mean, again, anyone who can enjoy high school, I, my hat's off to them because it's a weird time, you know, your whole life's changing. And I mean, for me, I was just obsessed with girls and it was all I thought about. And I just had a lot of girlfriends and and I played music and I, I made some movies and, uh, wow. You were obsessed with girls in high school. That's so weird. I've never heard so of that. Weird. Anyone feeling like that before. Yeah. That's yeah. a, that's a very unique, uh, certainly a unique experience on your yes, end. I exactly. Think. I wrote a song on the new album called lovely Lori. That is, uh, it sort of starts as an ode to one girl and then just sort of rattles off all the girls that I have crushes on and everything. So it was sort of, indicative of how quickly i could jump from uh one crush to another yeah it was exciting you could fall in love uh, three times a day back in the, yes. uh, in 1998 well yes absolutely well my old man has a story with it can you can you tell us a little bit about about that tune yeah that's that song is my uh tribute to my my late father who passed away last year and and um he was struggling with myotonic muscular dystrophy, and, and I've talked a lot about that. You can find out more on my website. But uh, it was something we didn't really talk about that much when he was when I was growing up. And, you know, he was uh, sort of the authority figure in our house, so I argued with him a lot. But this song, I just sort of felt like I couldn't tell a high school experience without talking about parents, you know, and sort of this song is, is um, probably – more sympathetic to my dad than I was in high school. Mm. You know, I can, now that I am a dad and now that I'm older, I can appreciate what my dad was going through a lot. And he was just trying to keep the tires on the, on the car right. or on the minivan as it were. And, and, um, you know, it was, it was a very cathartic song to write and it, it meant a lot to do it and, and to, I think he would have liked it and, and found it funny. Cool. Well, I'm sorry you lost him last year. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, you know, he had been uh, ill for a long time. So, but, you know, there's never, a, it's never easy to say goodbye to a parent. And, and um, making the song was, was a helpful part of the, of the grieving process to me. And, and we did a really cool music video where people sent in pictures and videos of them with their dads and kind of put it all together. And, and uh, it was a really kind of cool snapshot of, dad life you know yeah, dad hashtag dad, dad life right right dad stuff dads in the 90s dads you know 90s dads they had a different uh different set of things to deal with back then i guess you know what I yeah mean? and speaking of all that stuff you know my dad really i think 
wanted to like the music I was interested in, in the nineties and he, he tried, he'd be like, make me a tape of something to listen to, but he was just, you know, not impressed with it. Right. Um, so we, we bonded over more of the sixties stuff that I, I still love the Beatles and Bob Dylan and, uh, Rolling Stones, stuff like that. Anne Marie is one of my favorites on the album. I, 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 it brought up some of those complicated teenage feelings that uh, I remember. Uh, could, yeah. could you walk <laughs> us a little bit through that one? You know, it, I guess. Yeah, it, definitely. I guess it kind of harkens back to what you're saying about you know, uh, different, uh, different girls, different feelings, different, you know, things feeling this way by lunch and this way by uh, dinner. You know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Uh, that was the thing I was surprised about is when I started to write. When I started to write lyrics for this album, I just I had a really strong I had a really strong memories of a lot of people and things and, and situations I hadn't thought about in a long time. It really felt like I had kept a journal, but I I didn't. It was just kind of all up in my head. And Anne Marie was one of the people that sort of came to me. It was just she was just, you know, the coolest girl ever and, and I was in love with her and we were friends and all is fair in love and war, you know. This is a song about trying to uh trying to appeal to a girl who's dating my best friend. And I actually sent this song to her before I released the album. And I said, I hope you get a, a kick out of this. And she didn't even remember this happening. So uh, oh. that's how much it meant to her. <laughs> typical. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, you've got a whole unplugged version of the album. What was the thinking in putting that together? I guess it was a nod to the the unplugged nineties uh, thing, but um... yeah, I mean, what's more nineties than unplugged? And and I've also been trying to do some sort of acoustic version of my songs for each album for the last few albums now, and it was fun to kind of just strip these down because there is a lot of fuzz and distortion on the on the record version. So it was fun to just sort of play these songs acoustic and and just kind of let them speak for themselves and and you know that's just i play more much more acoustic than i do electric so it's it's just these are how the songs sound when i first figure them out and and i always feel like if i can't play the song on just my guitar or the piano then it probably needs some more work yeah it's an interesting point too because a lot of the music uh from the 90s did have that you know uh dirty production and you if you did strip down especially bands like soundgarden if you did strip some of those songs down you know to just play on acoustic or even on piano or just turn them into a ballad or something those songs the the nuggets of those songs are really there yeah you know there's they're they're good old-fashioned chord progressions and you know because we had all the unplugged stuff you heard so many of those you know nirvana versions and stone temple pilots and stuff you heard the acoustic versions of songs on the radio and I mean, more recently one of the best concerts i ever saw was um chris cornell at carnegie hall solo acoustic he played for like i don't know three hours or something and i was just blown away by how amazing he sounded and how good those Soundgarden and and audio slave songs sounded when he just it was just him kind of really giving it his soul to it yeah it's just him and a guitar right i seem to remember yeah that. it was amazing there's some recordings of it the album's called songbird i think and i highly recommend it it's really it's really moving did you feel any songs worked better in the acoustic format than on the uh the uh, big 90s production format i mean it's always fun to, to do it both ways so i don't, I don't know that there's 
a definitive version of either but um it was really fun to do and i'm just like i said this, the songs really came together easily on this album and and it was a lot of fun to work on and to think about and and to really just kind of live in that world for a while well cool well i'm glad i'm glad you did live in that world for a while because it's a <laughs> it's a great record it sounds fun and i think it will stir you know sometimes nostalgia is a bad word but it's not always a bad word and i think it'll stir up some of the right uh, emotions especially in folks of our uh, our age group yeah, that's been one of the nice things to hear from people is I think the nicest compliment people will say is, you know, God, it sounds just like the 90s. Mm. Like one guy and then I, I did an interview actually with my old high school newspaper, but the kids were, weren't even born in 1998. But uh, the one guy described it, he said, it sounds like the soundtrack to a 90s rom-com. <laughs> I was like, well, there you go. That's that's a, that's a bullseye, I guess. Right, right. Well, uh, what's next for you musically in this crazy uh, coronavirus? Where, where are you? Are you in New York City? I am in New York. Yeah, I'm and, right uh, here in New Jersey. I'm just across oh, the cool. uh, George Watt GWB. I'm here in Northern New Jersey. Very cool. Yeah, I, I was gone for a couple months, but I've I've been back in the city now since uh, end of August and and uh, or end of July actually, and and um, happy to be here supporting the businesses and and then keeping the city going and and um i've been doing a project where i asked fans and and people if they wanted me to write songs about them to submit and uh, then they fill out a questionnaire and, and so now i'm writing these sort of songs i'm writing these portraits of people who i've never met before and mm. i hope to um maybe release some of those songs so it's been an interesting project to work on and, and it's kept me busy while I'm home and not on tour. Listen, I did, as I said a few times, I, I did enjoy the album, but there's one particular thing that I really liked. Can I tell you what it is? Please. The the Wow Wowzer Records, <laughs> the Fake Tower Records label, which I when I saw it on the on the jacket, I was like, is this? I had to touch it to see if it was yeah, a real. Right. I was like, how did he get Tower Re And then I read it more carefully, and I saw it's Wowzer, right? Is that what it says? It's Wower Records. Wower, yeah. Wower Records. Yeah, we just flipped the W in there. But yeah, I, I love how real it looks too, especially on the uh, vinyl. It's like the right size and everything. And, right. And uh, I, I would love to Tower Records. I also got banned from there for switching the price tags. So, and it felt very appropriate to have it on there and and um yeah you know it's that's that's very uh it's very tactile sensory feeling to see it there and it's like all right yeah good luck with the record and please keep in touch the next thing you do if there's something i can do to to do this again with you i'd i'd it'd be my pleasure sounds great man thanks so much for taking the time and and the interest and everything it was nice talking with you you too you too be well all right all right bye bye, -bye. thanks for listening Radar is produced by Evan Toth in partnership with TheVinylDistrict.com.